But that's why it's important to have a very up-to-date will. It's important to, to regularly look at your will. If your fa familial situation changes, you get divorced, you get married, you have a child, uh, a number of things happen. It's important to update your will. This is Corey Jones with the Be Ready with Safety Man podcast. Join us every week for a new podcast. Follow us everywhere podcasts are played and on YouTube, Be Ready with Safety Man. This is Corey Jones. All right, we're back for another one. We are back, and I'm Corey Jones, and this is the Safety Man Podcast. Welcome. We got a great show for you tonight. Some really important things, so get your notepad out or be able to record this so you can hear it because there's going to be things you really need to understand. So, Anthony, what do we got going today? All right, so obviously, Safety Man, the podcast is all about protecting yourself, you know, physically, mentally. But when it comes to protection, uh, one of the things we're going to talk about is, you know, your family, your asset, uh, life. So one of the things that we thought about was having a will, like why I have a personal will, why it's good to have a will. So we brought on a good friend of ours. Uh, this is Brandon Foster. He is a lawyer and uh, he is going to tell us, we're going to just kind of, I got some random questions I got to go with and we're going to kind of, uh, you know, he'll get them answered. So welcome Brandon to the show. Thanks for having me. What's up, man? So you want to tell a little background of who you are, what you do and why you're here? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So like he said, I, I am Brandon Foster. Uh, I went to Rutgers Law School. Hence the uh, the shirt today. Uh, I started my own law firm out of law school called Foster Law LLC. I specialize in what I call personal business transactions, where um, it's not something where I'm like, I just do wills, or I just do landlord and tenant, or I just do real estate. I focus on things where you know, if you have a personal business related issue or a financial legal related issue. Those are the kind of things I like to handle. Uh, but I have done quite a bit of uh, wills. Um, but I don't just focus on wills. I try to do estate plans mm -hmm. um, where I essentially will create three documents for you and a basic estate plan. Uh, one being a will or a trust, depending on how we work that out. Uh, the second one being a medical power of attorney and the third one being a financial power of attorney. So why, okay, let's start with the basics, right? Yep. So why is it important to have a will? So there's, there's, there's a number of reasons to have a will. And the one thing is, it's kind of strange, but a will doesn't really protect you because you're dead. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, sorry to be so blunt and obvious, but that's just kind of how it goes. It does give you that peace of mind when you're still here, though. Yes, yes. And I think that's important. It, it is. And it gives you the peace of mind that your family and your loved ones or anybody you care about or somebody that you think enough about to uh, want to give them something after you're deceased, it protects them and their interest in that property to know that that property will just go to them in one way, shape, or form. They're an instrument. So a question that I have that yep. I think it may be a misconception, not, but doesn't my wife, and if she's not there, my kids automatically get everything? So it depends. So I'm only licensed in New Jersey, so I only, I only speak to New Jersey. Yeah, we mostly uh, focus in New Jersey. So again, yeah. okay. a little uh, disclaimer there. This is for New Jersey only that we're kind of talking about. Now, it's probably very similar to other states, but there's going to be differences. So make sure you check with your local laws and check with your local attorney before you, know, you jump in. But we are going to talk about mostly New Jersey stuff here today. And quick disclaimer, um, this is just going to be generic legal discussion. I'm not anybody on this podcast attorney. Um, <laughs> I'll see this Brayden Foster here. He's my lawyer. <laughs> so, you're somebody else. <laughs> so none of this can be constituted as legal advice. I'm just having a general legal discussion. No uh, retainers have been, have been had. So if you die without a will, that's called dying intestate. It means you did not have a legal instrument to pass your property. In New Jersey, if you die and you have just your spouse and children and no parents, then yes, 
your spouse gets everything. But there's certain dying intestate now suddenly says, all right, state of New Jersey, your all of my assets and all of my estate is at your whim and on uh, whatever laws are on the books uh, governs everything. Um, you at that point have no say. Your family doesn't really have a say. Um, your loved ones don't have a say. It will literally be governed exclusively by the laws of the state of New Jersey. I have a whole list of them here of like how the different situations work out, but there is a possibility where if you die intestate, um, it, let's say you have a spouse and parents. Let's let's say theoretically you have a spouse and parents, no other uh, children. In that case, your spouse and hires inherits 25% of the overall estate, and then they will and then they will hire they will inherit three quarters of the balance of the estate. So see how the numbers start to get really weird where it's like, yeah. well, I thought my wife got everything or I thought my, my husband or my spouse got everything. It's like, well, no, because you died intestate and now the laws in New Jersey are going to govern how your, your assets are split up. So that's why it's kind of important where if you say, no, I want my family taken care of and you know we built this, we established this, I want my wife to take everything or I want my kids to get everything, you need to put that in a document so that the state of New Jersey recognizes or whatever state you're in uh, recognizes your intentions because the state and the, the courts don't want to have to figure it out for you. So they'd yeah. rather us do this. They would rather you do this because then it makes it so much easier. Okay. Yeah. I mean, if you think about it, like literally, you know, I have a will and you know, you spending one day figuring out the basics of what you need is probably going to save a lot of headaches in your family down the road because I'm sure these things get really ugly when they go to court, you know. I can't tell you how much case law I've read where and, and here's the thing, like even having a will sometimes it can get ugly, um, but that's why it's important to have a very up-to-date will. It's important to, to regularly look at your will. If your fa familial situation changes, you get divorced, you get married, you have a child, uh, a number of things happen. It's important to update your will. And one of the things that's important is that you also update all the other things that could somehow transfer your asset to somebody. Example, these are called payable on death accounts, life insurance policies, uh, anything that you have signed that is financial that has a beneficiary attached to it. Those are called payable on death accounts. Those accounts are completely outside the estates and trust uh, realm of law. Those are governed by contract law. Um, so you can say theoretically, hey, my you put in your in your on your beneficiary form, I want my first wife to have all this money, all my all my all my payouts on my insurance policies. Twenty years down the road, you guys get divorced, or she pa or or you, let's say she gets divorced, you get remarried, and then you put into your will, I want I want my wife to have my current wife to have all my stuff from my insurance policies. The problem is your first wife's going to get it because you didn't update the beneficiary for the document and payable on death accounts are governed by contract law. So the probate courts will not look at that at all. You'd have to go through strict contract law. So yeah. that's why it's important to be very specific about what documents you're using and to protect your family. So what about a video? Well, let's say I go home, I get on my iPhone and say, I don't have time to make a will. So I make a video. Will. Does that mean anything? Um, so there, there are different, there are, there's a number of different types of wills that have been recognized to say, Hey, that's, that is the true and clear intentions of the testator. Video wills could work. Um, handwritten wills, which is called a holographic will, as long as it's from top to bottom in your own handwriting, uh, that's considered a will. Um, there was case law that I read where a farmer uh, way back in the day got trapped under his tractor and the tractor literally was killing him because he couldn't get out from under it. He scrawled with his knife on the body of the tractor what he wanted his stuff where he wanted his stuff to go, signed it, and then he was found dead under the tractor. And they took that tractor and probated to say that is the the testator's will. So as wow. long as long as you meet the instrumentalities of of the state, then and as long as you are clear and concise with your intentions, that should count. 
<laughs> but as an attorney, you'd rather you do it the right way. I would rather you come in and we have we have a conversation and we can talk about who you want to give your stuff to and why you want it and to understand um, that so that I understand that you understand what you're giving away because that's that's a part of my job is that I I understand that you know what you're doing. I know that you're clear mind because that's one of the reasons a will can be contested is if. Someone comes and says, oh, there was duress or they were not mentally, uh, they were, their capa- mental capacity was not there. Mm-hmm. There's a number of reasons why the wills can be contested, but still important. You, you see this when the guy's 95 and he gives everything to the 18-year-old girl that he just meets? Exactly. Yeah. A hundred percent. But, it, and really it's, it's super important to have a will. And, you know, especially when you look at like what happened in the last year with the pandemic, um, I started soliciting services during the pandemic and I suddenly found out that there's a massive amount of people in the community that don't have wills or they don't have a trust. I mean, either one of those uh, works to, um, um, to act as a mechanism to transfer your assets upon your death. But it's important to have them because you don't, you probably don't want the state figuring it out for you because then the state doesn't care what your intentions were when you were alive. They only care what the law says in the books. Now, what about debt? If you have uh, unsecured debt or unpaid debt when you die, is your surviving spouse responsible for that? So, yeah. So the your your debt is still technically a liability to the estate and your creditors can come can come get uh, what they're owed from the estate itself unless there's other agreements made there. But if it's if it's just your debt, then they can then come after it. But there's there's some weird things like if it's your spouse's debt and stuff like that. It's just it makes it a little bit convoluted. But yes, debt, the, de- the creditors can still technically come get their uh, what they're owed as long as as long as it's usually secured debt. Um Unsecured debt's a little bit more difficult to collect because they're put way at the bottom of the list of, of, of the creditors. Gotcha. Yeah. More questions? Yeah. So uh, Dave G on we, – we put out stuff on Facebook. Dave G asked about setting up a trust. I guess so – can you explain maybe – listen, you could probably talk for days on it. But yeah. like, what's the difference between a trust and a will? Like, And in, like the briefest way to describe it. Okay, yeah. That's – they essentially create the same instrument, but they're different documents. So – if you say, hey, Brandon Foster, I want a will. I'm going to draft you up a will, and you're just going to tell me how you want all your stuff, um, how you, you want your entire asset, uh, estate broken down, who you want to give it to, etc. A trust, and, and here's the thing. So if you draft a will, that's it. You're done until you until you become deceased or until you update that will. Uh, that will essentially just goes into your file and, and sits there until it's needed. A trust is essentially a living document where... Um, trusts were actually uh, developed so that you could avoid probate. Um, you don't have to go through probate court. It doesn't become public record because of the will. Anything that goes into the court system becomes public record. So theoretically, if you're like, I didn't want uh, my brothers and sisters to know that I inherited $50 million and I never gave them a dime, you know, if you do a will and you give all that $50 million away, they're going to know. Mm. I mean, if you're dead, you don't care. <laughs> That's on you. Uh, but in a trust, um, a trust you are essentially creating a trust for all of your assets and you're making yourself the living trustee, meaning you're managing the, these assets that you're going to give to somebody or give to you know whoever you want to give in the end. What is what makes things what makes trust a little bit more difficult and um, a lot of times people create trust because they want to avoid probate because whatever state they're in may be a difficult state to do probate. New Jersey's not one of those states. Granted, during the pandemic and at other times, probate may take a little bit longer than we would like, but still, New Jersey is not expensive to probate, and it's usually relatively quick compared to a lot of other states. Um, so there's not a lot of New Jersey attorneys that'll do that that recommend trust right off the bat. One of the situations is that I, when you create a trust, you actually have to roll all of your assets in that titleable assets like cars, houses, boats, things like that that have titles to them. You have to roll those assets into the trust as trust property. 
So you are no, you're you're technically the owner, but you're just a living trustee at that point. If you ever want to sell that property or you want to turn your car in or something like that, you then have to um, create documentation, take that to wherever, whoever you're going to try to sell it or turn, turn it into and say, I'm the trustee, I'm going to do this, and I'm going to roll the property out of the trust. Anything that's titleable, you have to continue to roll back into, into the trust. One way to avoid that, though, is you create a pour-over will. So when you have a trust, you're always going to have a will. Um, that's another reason a lot of New Jersey attorneys just do a will, because if I'm already creating a will, why don't I just create one will versus one will and one trust? So you, you create a pour-over will, so theoretically, if you forget to do anything, all of your assets, when you pass away, that you forgot to put in the trust will just roll over from that will into the trust. Um, one reason people create trust is because they completely avoid taxes and they avoid probate because if the court doesn't know I didn't, I didn't have a will, they can't tax me on it. One of my things though is that not a lot of my clients, when I have had clients, they don't, I'm not, I haven't dealt with like multi-million dollar clients. That, yeah. And yeah. I would say like a trust is probably more of like a upper class kind of thing. Yeah, it is. Um, I, I mean, really, I don't want to say it is, it, it is and it isn't, you know, it's really what works for you as the client. And that's, that's one thing I wanted to make, make clear when I, when I came on here is that it's important to also do your own research a little bit before you go meet with an attorney. Uh, read up on what a trust is, read up on what a will is, read up on a little bit on, um, on the probate process, because in reality, the attorney's going to probably do what's best for them and what's quicker for them. Cause they're going to want to, you know, keep that, keep that client, uh, wheel going. But if you're giving in New Jersey, if you're giving away assets to your friends and family, and, uh, sometimes there's no tax liability at all. If you're not super wealthy and you're like, Hey, I want to give my, I want to give my poker table away to my, my brother. It's probably not worth $25,000. So the likelihood that your brother's going to get taxed on it is, is nil. Yeah. Um, and, and that's really the clients I've been working with. I haven't had those huge clients that, that I have to really worry about the tax liability. Gotcha. Gotcha. Um, so, yeah, so uh, Dave was just asking about that, about, I guess, a lawyer, if they could create a trust and what it was. Yep. So there we go. That is answered for you, Dave. So, yeah. And, and also, if you guys have future questions, make sure you drop it down in our comments and uh, we'll get it to Brandon. Also, uh, Brandon, what's the best way to contact? Do you have an email that we can put out there? I do have an email. It's b.foster at fosterlawllc.com. All right. We will also drop that. Say it one more time for me so I can write it down. b.foster. b.foster uh-huh. at fosterlawllc.com. All right. I will also drop that uh, down below. So that will be in the description as well. Um, anything else like you want to just talk about in the general? I know like people will meet with you and they'll obviously get more detail, but like what other things would you just like Anything else that you want to touch on before? Oh, absolutely. So in, one of the important things is that it's not just creating the instrument to transfer your property at your death. Um, creating your basic estate plan is one, creating an instrument where your assets transfer at your death, but also you don't necessarily have to die to worry about your assets. If you become incapacitated, your estate still needs to be managed. Mm. Um, and that's where when I create my basic estate plan, where I either do the will or the trust, I also create those other two powers of attorney the medical and the financial power of attorney, both of which are super important because if you're incapacitated, I mean, I know you gentlemen own businesses and you, you have assets and you have um, interest in, in, in um, financial related matters. You probably want somebody there to take care of that for you. And you want someone there that you trust and you want someone, you want to put those directions and those instructions out to be very explicit and how you want your stuff managed, what responsibilities, what rights you give them. Um, and you need to be very explicit about the rights you want to give. 
Uh, when I go through my financial power of attorney, for example, I have probably 20 questions of, do you give them the authority to sell your house? Do you give them the authority to manage your bank account? Do you give them the authority to uh, run a business? And one of the things I always tell my clients is like, this is a very forward looking document. Both of these are very forward looking documents that, you know, I may not own a business today, but you know, if this document is still in my possession for the next 10 to 15 years or however long, I may own a business at that point. I never thought I'd be a business owner, you know, when I was in college, but suddenly here I am with a business. So it's important to be very explicit about your instructions. And it's important to think about, I may have concerns, even if I haven't passed away, I may just be incapacitated. Yeah. And that goes into also your medical power of attorney, the medical power of attorney being something that gives very explicit instructions on what you want. If you want the proverbial plug pulled, um, if you, if you want to avoid that Terry Schiavo situation, you guys remember the Terry Schiavo oh, yeah. situation? Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Um, if you want to avoid that, if you want to donate organs, if you want uh, specific medical procedures done, I had a client who was a doctor and he had a very long list of what he did and did not want to happen if he was incapacitated um, because he didn't want to trust his wife to remember the whole list. <laughs> <laughs> so he, he, he gave me a laundry list of things to say, I want this, I don't want that, I want this type of material used. And the guy was a doctor, he knew exactly what he was talking about. But that also, that also gives the instructions to say to your, to your power of attorneys to say, you have to do this. You can't, you know, if I say I want the plug pulled and you've presented that power of attorney to the medical professionals, you don't then get to say, I don't want to pull the plug on him. Like I've already made that wish. I've already made that decision. You so, as my agent don't get to make that decision. So the power of attorney, if it's written now, do they get to make their own decisions when it's not in there? If something's not in there. Do they make the decision? So in that case, um, if you become incapacitated, um, it depends because if let's say, let's say I become incapacitated. And my, my wife comes up to the doctor as my spouse, she may be able to say, I want to make X, Y, and Z decisions. But let's say my parents come up and say, they've been estranged for the last five years. She shouldn't be making these decisions. We as his parents now want to make those decisions. Now there's, now there's a, a contest there of who actually has the right to make those decisions. That's why a, a medical power of attorney is important because you dictate one, who you want to be your primary <laughs> to your alternate and you I mean you can go as many alternates as you want depending on what your situation is mm -hmm. and i always tell people you know you need to have these conversations also with your agents if you're going to give them these authorities you need to have these conversations with them while you're while you're you know you have the mental capacity to do so and make sure that they understand their responsibilities because if it comes to like hey i got to pull the plug on on anthony sacali you know that might be hard for me i've known this dude almost you know 15 20 years it might be hard for me to do but if, if i'll do it <laughs> <laughs> I'm doing Jeez. it now. Doing it. <laughs> wow. Show's, show's over. Thanks, oh, was that allowed? Was that allowed? I'm not putting him in the will. <laughs> Corey is out of the will. Got it. Hey. And right. done. <laughs> um, but no, I, you know, and also there's differences between um, springing and durable powers of attorney, which are also imp important to recognize. Um, I usually write durable powers of attorney because I don't, there's times where, so the, the difference between durable and power, uh, durable and springing is one when you sign it, it goes into effect. That's a durable power of attorney. A springing power of attorney means uh, something, an event has to happen. I have to become incapacitated for that power of attorney to, to come into effect. The problem is your agent then has to prove you're incapacitated. For instance, I mean, a medical power of attorney might be a little, little bit easier to prove you're incapacitated. If you go to the doctor and be like, he's incapacitated. You can see it, doc. You, you told me he's incapacitated. You know? yeah. Whereas a financial power of attorney, you might have to go to the bank and, and get doctor's notes that are notarized and get a court to, to authorize that he's incapacitated. Whereas a durable power of attorney, it goes into effect immediately. Mm -hmm. And I just tell my clients like, hey, put that in you know a safety 
deposit box or put that in your in your safe at home and just let your agents know where it is if they ever do have to come get it. I also have my my clients notarize their powers of attorney versus signing them. Um, because when you notarize them, um, you don't have to then compel the witnesses to come forward if anybody wants to contest it. Because then the then the notarization basically says the instrumentalities of this document are correct. And the same thing you can do with your will to uh, to prove that the signatures and everything are all, well, yeah. are all correct. So that's what we brought uh, Brain on. Obviously, it's a very detailed thing, but um, it's something that you should have. And especially a lot of people listening to this podcast are usually in the first responder world. So we highly recommend that if you are in the first responder world, police, EMT, military, you know, anything along these lines firefighter. These are things you want to get set up now. You know, you don't want to leave, you know, cause I've heard horror stories, you know, where someone passed away and just, you know, a wife is, or husband's left to deal with a lot of stuff, mm -hmm. you know, especially when it comes to pensions and things like along yeah. those lines, you want that all clearly written out and taken care of. But yeah, if, uh, if you want to get a hold of Foster, like I said, we'll have the email down below for him. Uh, you can check it out. You can get a hold of him and he is licensed in the state of New Jersey. So now you're not, now that doesn't cross over though, unless you like, if I want to practice in another state, it would have to be a state that accepts the bar exam that I took yes. and I'd have to petition that state. Gotcha. Uh, so like Pennsylvania, Delaware, I'm not, I can't practice in those states, but you can reach out to Brandon and he'll help you out. So. And if I, if I can't, I have a lot of friends that, you know, do all different types of law that I can definitely afford colleagues. I have family law, business law, contracts, all the whole gambit of, of friends that do everything. Well, thank you for coming on today. Well, thanks for having me, bro. And uh, Corey, where can we check you out, man? Safety Man CO, Safety Man CO, Safety Man CO, Safety Man CO, the website, Safety Man CO on all your social media. All your social media. You know, I got to apologize to Anthony. I, I would obviously not pull the plug unless, <laughs> <laughs> unless that was something he wanted me to do. He's I, just saying that because he, he wants to be back in the well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I want this poker table. <laughs> no, but seriously, it is important to get all these questions answered now because we saw during the past 18 months with this pandemic, there were people who went to the hospital and never were seen again by mm -hmm. their loved ones. Yeah. You know, if you go into the hospital, you may be quarantined and you may not be able to have a conversation with your loved one or you may be on a ventilator or a respirator and you may not be able to. So get those questions answered now. It definitely can lower the blood pressure, can lower your stress and allow you to focus on keeping yourself or the people you're sworn to protect alive. We don't want those questions to be dogging you while you're trying to make plans to protect the people we're sworn to protect. So again, Safety Man CO, stay safe and be ready. We'll see you guys in the next one. Please subscribe and follow. Thank you very much.